a formal definition, a mission statement is a summary of the aims and values of a company, organization, or individual. So mission statement tells us something about what a company or a person is about. It's a way of an organization saying something like, this is why we're here. So for a fun little pop quiz this morning, which requires you to participate, but I believe in you, I'm gonna read a few mission statements and see if you can guess which company, organization, or individual they are about. Ready? Online, you can participate too. You just type that in, we'll know you got it. Uh, the first one, our mission is to bring the best user experience to customers through innovative hardware, software, and services. Apple, good. Next one, to organize the world's information and make it universally accessible and useful. Google, very good. Julia, you're killing it. Should have had treats up here for people, all right. Next, to continually raise the bar of the customer experience by using the internet and technology to help customers find, discover, and buy anything. Amazon, ooh, that was very understandable. All right, next, these are gonna get a little harder. To bring inspiration and innovation to every athlete in the world. Nike. To capture and share the world's moments. Instagram. Ooh. All right, this is my favorite one. <laughs> it's not the last one, but it is my favorite. To refresh the world, to inspire moments of optimism and happiness, to create value and make a difference. It's just vague enough to be anybody, right? It's Coca-Cola, mind-blowing. Anybody ever had that experience from a Coke? Not me. <clears throat> All right, second to last one, to entertain, inform, and inspire people around the globe through the power of unparalleled storytelling. Oh, I see lots of confused looks. This one is Disney. Nice, huh? That's good, that's good. Okay, last one. Actually, this one might be my favorite. To inspire and nurture the human spirit, one person, one cup, one neighborhood at a time. Starbucks, very good, yes. Uh, I read that one to my husband and he was like, one cup, and I was like, I know, it's great. <clears throat> so when a company begins or makes a change or goes public, creating or examining a mission statement is a core part of the process, right? They are trying to answer the question, who are we? What are we about? Why are we here? What are we doing this for? In Luke's gospel, Jesus gets up in the synagogue in his hometown of Nazareth, and he delivers his first public sermon. It's a big deal. Now, the people in his hometown may know him initially as Joseph and Mary's boy, not as a rabbi, but they've been hearing rumblings, right? A report about him spread throughout the country, our gospel says this morning. They maybe are coming to listen to hometown kid made good for the first time. It's a big moment for Jesus, and what he has to say in this moment does really matter. So he gets up, and the scripture he chose to read from is Isaiah. And he gets up and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and to let the oppressed go free 
to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then instead of talking about Hebrew syntax or the context to which Isaiah was speaking when he wrote this down, or instead of explaining the grammar or talking about current events and how it might connect, Jesus just says, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. It is a one-sentence sermon. I mean, that's, that's a way to start, right? It's a way to start your preaching career. Pastor Chad's going to talk next week about the response of the people listening. That's in next week's scripture passage. But today, it's all about this first sermon. It matters that Jesus chooses this text from Isaiah. People know it. It's familiar. But what he says about it is revolutionary. He says, in essence, he is the one they've been waiting for. All the things God has promised in Isaiah, they have come true through Jesus. He gets up and he says, this is why I'm here. It's kind of like his official mission statement. But instead of a hopeful kind of aspirational statement, right, like Coca-Cola, uh, Jesus' one-sentence sermon says a lot more. Through his words from Isaiah, he's saying, because I am here, this has come true and will come true and will continue to come true. And then the rest of Luke's gospel proves the point. Over this next year, we will follow Luke's gospel as Jesus does these very things as he brings good news to the poor, as he proclaims release to the captives, as he heals the blind, as he sets the oppressed free, over and over and over again. Now I, being honest here this morning, read this account of Jesus' first public sermon, and I feel two things. I feel hopeful, and I feel very cynical, <laughs> which is kind of my standard emotional soup these days. I feel hopeful because I need to hear that Jesus being with us, coming to us, staying with us, means that these things will and do happen. I need to hear that. I need that out in front of me all the time. But it also makes me feel pretty cynical because I look around at the world right now and I'm so tired and I just don't feel like hearing the good news is working for me anymore. Just hearing it isn't enough. And if I'm honest, I want to get up and say, well, thanks, Jesus. I'm so glad that me hearing it made it true, but it sure doesn't feel like it. Anyone else? Anyone? Good, I'm glad I'm not alone in this. This week, Reverend Katie Stenter wrote a prayer poem describing this exact thing. See if it strikes Accord for you. She wrote, God, you know we cannot pivot anymore because we are too dizzy. In fact, we are so dizzy that walking has become problematic. So we make our way like toddlers, knowing our best right now looks nothing like two years ago. So please hold my hand, God, as I toddle along, steady my step, and murmur comforting words into my ear as I toddle along. Please, I pray. Amen. That felt more real to me than anything else I'd read this week, right now. 
To be honest, I don't really believe when Jesus says, uh, this year is the year of the Lord's favor. I don't really feel like it's only the third week of January, and I'm like, mm, I don't buy it. I don't buy it, Jesus. 2022, not looking like a favor year to me yet. But Jesus dares me to imagine that just his mere presence changes everything. And so I wonder if we might engage in a practice of just for a moment taking our cynicism and our disbelief and our struggles and our exhaustion and pin it over here and set it down for just a moment and instead picked up believing this were true. What if we lived for just one day? We can come back to that. It's going to be there. Don't worry. What if we lived for just one day as if this were already true? We can go back to living our exhausted, always trying to do more, be more lives tomorrow. But what if today we lived as if this scripture was actually fulfilled when we heard it? What might change, I wonder? Can I believe God's presence is enough? That God's words are enough to change everything, even when it doesn't seem like it? Writer and columnist Debbie Thomas asked a similar question this week. She framed it around trust instead. She said, can I trust that divine abundance is possible now, even in the midst of uncertainty and pain? Can I say amen to God's word in the complicated circumstances in which we are living right now, today? Or perhaps our ambivalence around today has more to do with a deep-seated fear of change. Like Jesus' listeners, we long for liberation, for something to be different, but we want to control what that looks like. We don't want to face someone who looks and sounds and loves and probes like Jesus. How dare he mess with our traditions, our boundaries, our well-established norms around how God works in the world. We'd rather put salvation off than confront its alarming presence in our lives right now. Perhaps we need to accept the possibility of holy discomfort in this text. Perhaps the now of God means we stand up, shake the dust off, and move. What if the release of the captives and the healing of the blind require that we step out of our prison cells and open our own eyes? It's one thing to scan the horizon of someday for the year of the Lord's favor. It's quite another to live boldly into that favor now. This is the power of that one-sentence sermon that Jesus preached to begin his public ministry. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. That's why I'm here. Today, for us, on this day, in this year, we are the ones to hear it, to hear the good news preached from Jesus. It's hard to hear it, to trust that everything changes when the world seems so much the same. The song right before the message we sang that the world is about to turn, and I, about is fine. It's already turning though, right? I mean, like it's changing all the time. Even if this point we're dizzy with all the pivoting, right, that our prayer said, 
God stays with us. We are in the season of epiphany in the church. This is a time before, after Christmas, before Lent begins, where we spend these weeks wondering how God might be revealed to us, looking for the places where God is revealed to us. And now we're about to sing again about the very trust in the midst of changes, in the midst of not yet, in the midst of the not yet that honestly feels like we're just always in now. We never get to the yet. We never get to the place we want to go. It seems like we're always in not yet. We're going to sing together about how when we can't stand, then at least God has promised to carry us until we can. So whether you are feeling more hopeful or cynical or like me, a complicated soup of both, I want you to hear the good news that has become true in our hearing this morning and wonder what it might look like to believe that this has already happened. So hear again the words of Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And today, this has been fulfilled in your hearing. Amen. So God's Spirit came upon Jesus and sent him to do all of these things. And if that list felt really overwhelming to you because you're already tired, well, good news, Jesus is doing it. So you don't have to. Also, also we have been anointed and the Spirit has come upon us so that if you have it, if you're exhausted, let the good news be taken care of by Jesus this week. But if you've got a little something in you, our work is partnering with God in this work in the world. That is what we're called to do as people of God. We are sent out into a world who needs to hear the same thing that we do, who is as exhausted as we are, who struggles the way we do. So if you need Jesus to take care of it this week, fine. Jesus has got it, it's fine. But if there's somebody in your life who you know needs to be set free and receive the Spirit and receive good news and be recover their sight, this word is given to you to go and share. So we take that, what we've been given today, and bring it out with us into the world to go in peace, to love and serve the Lord. Mm -hmm.